the last appointment I had with my neurologist, I, I told him, I was like, this is going to sound crazy, but I think my seizures happen around the full moon. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Lindsay, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. It's going to be such a fun conversation. I'm on. I'm honestly really like, as I've said off mic and off screen and whatever, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think this is one topic I've not delved into and I'm really excited to learn a bit more about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I think, um, uh, epilepsy is just not something that I mean it's not something that's seen unless you're having a seizure and so uh, to begin with and so it's one that is often like an invisible disability until it's not (laughs) um yeah and so because of that sometimes you have to like come out about your epilepsy or uh (laughs) like in a way yeah Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it um yeah yeah well we'll just dive in so I ask every single person because I think it's super important to ask people how they refer to their disability because everybody's so individual. And I think getting that point across is invaluable for people. So, Lindsay, how do you refer to your disability? I mean, I I say I have epilepsy, um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's changed over time when it took me a while to say that I had epilepsy. Uh, I think I was Mm -hmm. afraid to say that. Uh, So I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 16. Mm -hmm. Uh, I first started having seizures when I was 16. Um, So I only get seizures in my sleep. Um, Everybody with, uh, I mean, every every disability is different, obviously. Even if you have the same diagnosis, it manifests differently. And that's like kind of something that's so cool about it and and something that's so interesting. And um, so for me, I only get seizures in my sleep. I started having seizures when I was 16. And um, after a little while, I, um, so it took a while to get diagnosed um, Mm because nobody saw them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And uh, then I was really afraid of that. I lost a lot of friends at first as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Other people were really afraid of that. So for the longest time, I said I I had a seizure disorder, um, which for some reason was better than epilepsy. I don't really I I don't really know. but uh, yeah, I think it took a while to um, to say I, I had epilepsy and like be like, yeah, I have epilepsy. Like I um, like in turn that from from even just saying it and then saying it in a positive way as well. Yeah. And what's really interesting, as you said, like you have seizures in the nighttime, like when you're asleep. And so that must have been really difficult to go through when you didn't know what was going on and particularly being able to like tell someone hey, like something's not quite right with my sleep, but I don't know what it is. How did you even go down the route of of trying to get a diagnosis or even knowing that actually something was maybe like a little bit amiss and and like further investigation needed to happen? Yeah, so I'll describe kind of the the feeling that that happened. Basically, uh, for some people, there, there's many different types of seizures. And um, so mm-hmm. um, the seizure that I have is, is kind of like the, the grand mal, the, the big one, the, the stereotypical one. And uh-huh. um, but before that, some people get uh, like an aura, which if anybody's ever had a migraine, it's a similar thing. So yeah. it, 
with a migraine, you might see like rainbow colors before you get your headache. And with a seizure, you might get some sort of aura. And, Mm -hmm. um, but everybody's aura is different. So, uh, if you go on Reddit, there's some really cool ones that people share. So there's like some people get an impending sense of doom for an entire week. (laughs) Um, that would suck. Some people smell hair, burning hair. Some people just, some people do see rainbow colors. So everybody's different. And then the seizure will happen. Um, that aura is actually a different type of seizure. So it's a seizure triggering a seizure. Um, I've only learned that recently. Um, fascinating. (laughs) Um, my aura is a falling sensation in my sleep. Um, and it's horrible. I'm not going to lie. Like, um, so it's kind of like, if you ever have that falling feeling when you're sleeping and you like kind of twitch and, and wake up, um, it's like that, but it doesn't stop. Um, so it Mm -hmm. feels like you're falling through your bed and it's, it's terrifying. Um, Mm -hmm. so then that wakes me up. (laughs) Um, and then the seizure will knock me out again. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that's kind of like the what happens. And then after that, I'm awake again. Um, I've if it if it's gone through its full cycle, which at the moment I'm on enough medication that I get just the aura, so I don't get the second half. Yeah. Um, so then uh I might have like bit through my tongue or um like mm-hmm. fallen off the bed or something like that. Um so when it first started happening, I was like, God, I have this banging headache the next day. And like, I had this really yeah. weird falling feeling in my sleep. Have you had this falling feeling? And I'd describe what was happening. People would say, no, that <laughs> I never <laughs> had that. <laughs> yeah. And I bet you felt great after that. Like, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'd wake up because I'd, I'd bite my tongue and that, like, because mm-hmm. um, some, like, you often do when you have a, a seizure and you, your tongue would be bleeding. So I'd be like, God, there's, there's like blood on my shirt and I have this falling feeling when I'm sleeping. And like, does that just ever happen to you in your sleep? Yeah. <laughs> and people would say, no, that that's really weird. Um, and it would happen once a month about for me. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd be like, oh, okay, doesn't happen to you. Weird. And I'd just move on <laughs> with my life. <laughs> yeah. I was 16. I didn't think of going to the doctor. <laughs> I love it so much because it just goes to show that that actually sometimes really big things you can just sweep them under the carpet and be like, yeah, well, maybe it's just a me thing. Like bodies are all different. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just have this really bad headache, and like you know, I I don't feel great, but like yeah, exactly. Maybe it's just maybe I just have some weird sleep sometimes, and yeah. maybe maybe it's a weird dream. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it turns out it's not, but. Like, <laughs> um it's it's really funny looking back on that and like I'd have sleepovers at friends houses and be like you're making some really weird noises in your sleep last night and then I'd be like yeah I had this weird falling feeling and like this weird that I woke up now I just have this horrible headache and I I just I Mm. I feel really out of it and I'm and like I'd be kind of slurring my words because the the post-ictal phase which is like after the seizure sometimes it it lasts different periods of time but that's where um I think one of the biggest misconceptions with epilepsy and seizures is that you have the seizure and you're kind of done with it but um it impacts you're not (laughs) um it impacts you throughout like chronically and uh so after that I mean that could be a week's worth of like um I'm just kind of like brain fog or being out of it 
Um, so yeah, I, I'd just be kind of like walking on a cloud and <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't until I stayed the night at one friend's house that their whole like family had been trained in like, uh, seizure awareness and epilepsy awareness because uh-huh. her sister's boyfriend had, um, really severe like epilepsy. Um, mm. and he had really frequent seizures and, um, so I was sleeping over there and, um, I had one of my fun seizures <laughs> in my, my sleep and, um, this one, I, uh, so she had noticed it and known what it was and hollered mm. for her mom. Uh, they called the paramedics and, um, oh, so, wow. um, I, in my like 3am when it was all through and I woke up and I was quite out of it because mm-hmm. seizures, like an electrical reaction in your brain. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, there's this paramedic speaking to me, Lindsay, Lindsay, wake up. You just had a seizure. And, I look over and I see that it's 3 a.m. And I say, no, I didn't. You have the wrong person. Let me go back to sleep. And I say, no, no, we got to take you to the emergency room. We got to take you into the hospital. No, I want to go back to sleep. And uh, fine, I'll go with you just because I respect you and you're a paramedic. (laughs) Yeah. That you have the authority in this situation, which I'm really annoyed about, but actually maybe you've got something interesting to say. <laughs> so I, I like I had to go in the ambulance with them and yeah. um that was kind of how it, it had started. I remember sitting in the hospital and giving me these like really big pills and I, I'd hardly been able to like take like paracetamol at the time. <laughs> like and I was yeah. like it felt like taking horse pills <laughs> and um and I remember in the ambulance on the way there, like, I was like, oh, what's that? What's that? And I was like, so curious. And the guy was clearly very annoyed, maybe the end of like his night shift or something. And he was just yeah. like, you're not going to remember any of this anyways. <laughs> um, he was so rude to me. Oh, my gosh. It's probably because he said that that I remember it. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. But also for you to have that experience like away from home where you're not like with your direct family or like, or whoever you live with. And it's not necessarily like your like quote unquote safe space to then suddenly be woken up by, or, you know, woken up, probably not the correct terminology, yeah. but that's how, what it, it felt like for you to be like faced with a paramedic being like, babes, you've, you've just had a seizure and like you not knowing that you have seizures mm. and then being taken to hospital, that must've been quite, quite an experience for you because at that point in time, it's almost like that's when everything changes Yeah, because su- suddenly there's like medical intervention where there hasn't been before. And that, that must've been like quite a scary time. And especially at 16, like, 16 such a formative age for anyone and I don't care what anyone says you you genuinely couldn't pay me enough to go back and be a teenager like <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really enjoying not being a teenager it's super fun like you have your own money you have your own life it's great but at that point in time to have that experience away from home away from what's familiar to you yeah that must have been quite scary yeah, I it it was I think like when I um so like my my dad 
met me there. And I I remember so clearly that day, even though normally I don't remember the day after a seizure at all. (laughs) I remember we went out for breakfast. I remember we had lemon ricotta pancakes. (laughs) They sound great. Delicious. (laughs) I remember being completely out of it, but I just like, I remember these like details so much because it was like such a like clear day for me of like my driver's license got taken away. I had only been driving for like six months at that time. And that like, I had just basically gotten my independence and mm-hmm. as a 16 year old I'm not allowed to you know like you, you go to parties as, as a teenager and I'm not allowed to like drink or stay up late anymore and um yeah. I'm I have to like totally shift my lifestyle and now I have to go on all these like medications that have horrible side effects um and I'm allergic to one left and right and yeah. uh it's like and and suddenly especially that friend is terrified um and so it wasn't actually until a couple of years ago we we got in touch again during um Mm -hmm. so I don't know how many years later like almost like eight years later something we we it's not that we completely lost touch because we were still at school together but uh, we just didn't run as close as we were before. Yeah. And um, it was like, yeah, eight years later, we got in touch and uh, she apologized. She was like, look, I was so scared. <laughs> um, and um, I didn't really know what to do. Like I just hollered mm. my mom and it was kind of scary seeing your best friend like that. And um, I lost, like I lost a lot of friends because they just were really scared and didn't know how to react to what well, to disability in general and to yeah. how someone's life can change and how to accommodate someone um mm-hmm. and so I made totally new friends um yeah. that like knew me as this basically and mm-hmm. um it was like people who I don't know <laughs> they uh, they were kind of like the like as my life was always I was like the nerdy kid and also like the super social kids so that I just made friends with the nerdy friends like, yeah. basically and the teachers and I and stuff um and so it was it was definitely like it was it was a really hard time especially with I think the medication side effects and the all the being like I was fell asleep in class every day with whether it was because the seizure or the medication side effect it's hard to intertwine the two and yeah um, so it was it took a while to um get to where I am now I I'd yeah say. and I think that that's a really important like message message is that the right word I don't really know but I think it's really important to say that it's it's not something that's you know fixed overnight because as you say like medication so many different side effects allergic to one that's better than the next but you know it doesn't work for you because for whatever reason and I think when you do have a disability that is largely controlled by medication it's it's difficult and it takes time to find your footing because Mm. every like everybody's body is so different like your chemical makeup is so individual to you that what works really well for someone that you're really close to is probably not going to work that well for you just because of the chemical makeup in our bodies. And, and I just, I like, I always think about 
so I don't have to take any medication for my disability. Obviously, mine's very physical. It's just there. Like, there's nothing they can do about it. It's not like I can take a magic pill and it's going to grow back tomorrow. <laughs> but I always think about what it would be like if I did have to take medication because, A, I'm like, I'm really forgetful sometimes. Like, mm. the idea of taking tablets every day for me like I struggle with vitamins so I always mm-hmm. think like the people who do have to take medication I'm like oh my god like well done you because I wouldn't remember <laughs> like, I genuinely I'd be like what's this for oh yeah like oh no no and it must have been it must have been such a shift for you because as you said like one minute you're driving you're free to go wherever you want to go and then the next you can't because your license has been taken away and like and it's nothing that you could do to to bring it back no and I think like I mean they say they would say like look if you're if your seizures are controlled then like then you can get this back you're able to do this and it's almost like they dangle a carrot in front of you and Mm -hmm. uh, I mean so so I do have my license now because I've only ever had my seizures in my sleep and I'm not gonna sleep at the wheel yeah um, but like a lot of people with epilepsy don't, and mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of other things as well. Like, like, even if you're like a lot of people with epilepsy won't, um, don't, don't drink or don't, don't go, don't stay out late, um, and, and have to be really controlled with, I mean, they might not even be able to take like a, a bath or something, um, because yeah. they might have to have, or unless somebody's in the room, uh, and there's a total, like it's this concept of independence that uh where do you find that and um I think like especially in the beginning uh there was a lot of like why me Um, yeah yeah of course like or what's wrong with my brain and is there another way is there a natural way that I can uh like do like like instead of all these medications because these yeah. seem to suck uh and but also I don't want to hear from all those like people trying to just tell me to smoke weed because, like <laughs> I can figure it out on my own <laughs> yeah yeah um, so it's uh, I I think it's it's definitely like a, a journey of both like accepting the medication accepting your own disability um and like I I still as I mentioned like so I don't get the the big seizures I um I'm working on the like the falling feeling I get like yeah. sometimes I get a little bit of a falling feeling I'm at the moment on one medication mm-hmm. which is like a really big thing like one really big deal for me because uh I was previously on like multiple different ones which we like to call like a medication cocktail (laughs) um yeah (laughs) and uh I the other things like um I was about to say no offense to the neurologists out there but maybe offense to the (laughs) they they're they're not the most empathetic people when you you go to them um because Mm -hmm. they're they're really about the okay let's fix the symptoms and not seeing how it really is like impacting your um quality of life I guess and Mm -hmm. uh maybe it's maybe your quality of life in terms of the um the symptomatic quality of life but I guess the how you feel about things and like yeah. your, your independence or your uh emotions and things like that and um so uh finding a good neurologist that will listen to you is hard <laughs> and also I think probably because it's neurology and when you think about the brain 
it very much then falls under the medical model of disability, right? Is that there is mm-hmm. something to be fixed here. And and because you do have to take medication to to control is not the right word, but to manage what's gonna happen, there is that element of there is something that needs to be fixed here. And and that mm-hmm. is like a neurologist's job, right? Their job yeah. is to look at the brain and almost be like incredibly black and white about this is right, this is wrong, this will work, this won't work. And and rather than having that like holistic approach that, you know, people would maybe rather, I don't know, I'm not epileptic, so I can't really speak about this. But I think if it was me, I would rather have a more holistic approach to to how my medication would be managed or lifestyle or things like that. Because as you said, like quality of life is is so important. But if you're working with someone who that's not really their primary focus. Their primary focus is like, right, let's get this part of the brain to light up rather than this part. <laughs> like it's, you're never going to be like symbiotic. It's never going to happen. Well, it's exactly. And it's about that balance, right? Of course, mm-hmm. seizures um, are not like seizures can be dangerous um, and uh, like can have impacts on on your brain and your and and also impacts on, on your surroundings and, and yeah. your, your health. How so? Like you, you want to manage the seizures, but at the same time, like there's there's side effects to medications, um, and so it's it's mm-hmm. definitely a tricky balance. I I felt really valid. <laughs> this is now this is going to sound a bit wild, but um, so I said that my seizures happen at night. They happen about once a month, and mm-hmm. um, we haven't. I we don't think they're hormonal. We've tried tracking them, and we can't can't see but I've only ever had male neurologists so like who knows um <laughs> yeah there's only leave that there not enough research there as well um mm-hmm. in women's health um in that way I think uh I've <laughs> this is what's going to sound the crazy bit is I I get them around my seizures around the full moon um mm-hmm. and so I only noticed that in recently in the last couple of years and I was like yeah tracked it back in time somebody like said an off comment and I was like ha 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 funny like one of these off comments about epilepsy and your dog or something and I was like wait a second wait a second I think that's actually and I tracked it back and I'm like that kind of is the pattern of mine and I started tracking it and um the last appointment I had with my neurologist I I told him I was like this is gonna sound crazy but I think my seizures happen around the full moon and he was like, actually, like, there's been some research, there's no research that says that, but epilepsy is about a pattern, and it doesn't generally break the pattern. So if that's your pattern, that's your pattern. And yeah, that that was actually the most validating thing that yeah. he could have said, because although he wasn't like the, because re- he could have said the research says no, and that's a silly idea out the window. But he said, yeah. if that's your pattern, that's your pattern. That felt so validating. <laughs> And particularly like for someone who is, you know, like, uh, and I'm being incredibly general here, particularly for, for people who work in the medical profession, who tend to, who tend to be quite black and white, that's a massive step in the right direction for them to even like recognize that there's a pattern that doesn't necessarily fit into their square box. Yeah. You know? That's it, huge. Absolutely. And because, because I think, and that's the thing with epilepsy is like, it's, there's I mean, there's so many different things that can trigger people, uh, not, like the big stereotype is the flashing lights, but it's like, I mean, most people actually don't have a seizure from flashing lights. There's lots of different things. Flashing lights can cause seizures for some people, mm-hmm. but there's lots of different things that can. I spoke to someone and they said that 
looking at barcodes will trigger a seizure for them and at signs um and um that sounds fortunately they they've been able to find a medication that works for them but that sounds really challenging in the world we live in if if barcodes which are everywhere and that's what triggers something in your brain to to light up (laughs) it is it's i find this fascinating because our brains are also wired so completely differently whether you're neurodiverse whether you're like not neurodiverse like the way that we're all wired it's just so individual and like like you said I think you know like it must you must rely again total assumption but you must rely quite heavily on patterns to like to see where you are and what you're doing and how it's going and 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 with medication and there's just it's just a whole minefield of other things that you've got (laughs) to think about as well as everything outside of like your life so for example like what was it like for you going to college with this information yeah when I went to off to university it was um I it was really interesting because I had to really fight for getting a bottom bunk um and like to, to get any sort of accommodation and the one that I specific, like the, the baseline that I needed, like a, the absolute bare minimum was a bottom bunk because I was living on in-campus dorms and in the US, mm. you're in a, you're sharing a room with people. And I got put in this um, like overflow housing, which meant they crammed more people into a smaller area. So there was three to a room. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> it was great it was like a room that was supposed to have one person and they're like let's put three in why not <laughs> bonding <laughs> so um the, the absolute bare minimum I need is just like I need a bottom mm. bunk so just in case I don't fall off the top that's it yeah and they didn't want to give it to me they said well you kind of applied late you should have put your preferences in earlier and I was like well it was just something I didn't think about until you gave me a top bunk it just yeah. didn't cross my mind I yeah. just hadn't thought about it and they said well we already assigned the bunk beds maybe you should talk to your roommate and I'm like well what if I get someone who really doesn't like me and what if they also have a reason that they need a bottom bunk mm-hmm. then like this is not gonna work out <laughs> um and um, I had to like track across in person and like bring a giant stack of paperwork and written note from my neurologist to say she needs a bottom bunk um, and you need to accommodate her. And then they gave it to me. And so that was like, welcome to university. <laughs> this is how it's going to be. It's so wild that you had to fight for something. And like you said, bare minimum. Like, like literally bare minimum so that you didn't hurt yourself, but that you had to go and be like, here is all my paperwork to prove I am what I say I am. Here you fucking go. Yeah. Give me the bottom bunk. Like that is so, this is why we like these conversations need to be had because people are fighting for the bare minimum when it should just be a given. Yeah. And I think the thing is because you can't see it like you can't be like look she has epilepsy like unless even if I I have a seizure out in public you're still not gonna be like look she has epilepsy because like a lot of like a lot of people might have one-off seizures in their lifetime and that Mm -hmm. might not be epilepsy there um and uh, so 
that like you still they might need other accommodations there might be different things that are happening so so it's not something you can just point at and see um and so yeah it was literally fighting for the bare minimum I tried to ask for hey if I have a seizure can uh I have like like if I have a seizure right like when it's upcoming to an assignment or a test can I have like an extension because I'm going to be out of it. I'm just, just yeah. not going to be with it. Um, they didn't give it to me. They said there was not enough proof uh, because I'm a func- I'm functioning most of the time. Um, and so, and my seizures are not, um, not regular enough for them to, to give it to them. And I, I was like, I think they really just wanted somebody having uh you know, like a seizure once a week, a seizure every day, uh, during, probably during the day. Um, but because I was not that stereotype, mm-hmm. which is not most people, um, yeah. then, uh, they, they didn't want to give it to me. So, um, yeah, what I had to do was I just like kind of similar to what I did in the last like couple of years of, of high school was just kind of become close to the professors and tell them mm-hmm. hey I've epilepsy um sometimes I'm gonna have a seizure and most of the time they were pretty cool with it there was a couple of of kind of dickheads <laughs> but um yeah most people were like understanding and like yeah let me know if you have a seizure then like we can talk about things we can move things around most people are humans but um yeah. I think it's just the fact that you have to go and tell the individual professors instead of having the the paperwork for you that's uh mm-hmm. that really like helps build your case make, makes it a lot harder i just think it's so so wild that you're that you had to fight for things that should just be a basic given right for you and like the thing is right is that we are all as humans are wired differently, we all have different disabilities or maybe you're not disabled. Maybe you just listen to this for fun, in which case like, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad you're here to learn. But having to fight for something that makes your life easier, but because it doesn't fit into that normal, like quote unquote, status quo, average Joe blogs, it becomes challenging is where we go so wrong in society because we're not willing to help out those who are different and that's where we see problems with internalized ableism which we all know is rife ableism in general from the external forces whether that be media the public whoever having to just fight for like your basic stuff just it just shouldn't be a problem and it just so is and and I think what you said again about it being you know, not visible to the naked eye is so important because there is that stigma that because you can't see it, it doesn't exist or like because you can't taste it or because you can't smell it. Like you don't, you you can't see it. You literally cannot see it. So how can it exist? Mm. Which again is like, it's so messed up. Like it's, it makes me so angry. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it, it's so, it's like that expectation that like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're disabled, then you're just like, you're not going to be, you're not able, <laughs> you, can't, yeah, you like, can't do it. And you can't do it. And so like, 
there's this expectation of like, well, why um, either you're you're able to do stuff or you're not able to do stuff. Yeah. And so like this accommodating you to like, like that doesn't, I don't understand that because mm-hmm. like either you can just do it as it's set up or you can't do it at all and you're just unable to do anything. And like, but but that's just this like, that's just not how the world works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no in between. There's no gray area. And most of us live in this. Like we we live in this gray area. <laughs> That's yeah. where. Um. So yeah, absolutely wild. I think it's really important then to go on to how how has your disability or how has epilepsy impacted your career choices and the path that you went down. Because after hearing about your school experience, I think I'd want to set fire to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely, I mean, like at school, I I mean, I was, I was always such a, like, I was like straight A student, like super studious. And then after epilepsy school became a lot harder. It was just, Mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't read as fast. I couldn't, um, I wasn't as, I was still, I, I was like a, a B. B. I was still really yeah. good, but I had to, I was an A and a B student, but I had to just try a lot harder to be where like before I was like, sl- like flying through things and I just had to really try a lot harder. Yeah. Um, and so that like, I think um, where probably like before I, I, I don't know who knows what they want to be when they're younger. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know what I want to be. Everyone wants to be a spaceman. <laughs> I think I just became really like angry at everything mm-hmm. <laughs> in general. <laughs> and like yeah. I was just upset and um like um and then in university I ended up studying public health uh and mm-hmm. just like going into healthcare. Um I think part of it was just like I've always wanted to like do good and make an impact and then with my own experiences of like this just being so shit and like everybody having such a bad experience um then I I wanted to kind of understand maybe how it worked better and how I could maybe make a better experience and I didn't think I to be honest like I I didn't think I'd be able to like go to med school just like my brain was not Mm -hmm. working that way and I like there was probably a part of me that was like oh that would be cool to to actually like be a female amazing neurologist and I was just like I'm just wouldn't be able to make it uh like I I would if I tried really really hard and I just don't that sounds exhausting um Mm -hmm. because it's just not set up to accommodate me to do that so um so I I studied public health to kind of study more around the system and go into to health care as a field rather than that so um yeah that's how I I started my career I guess (laughs) I think it's really important though because I think disabled people in general they love to the idea that we have to make something of ourselves to be a quote unquote good disabled person is actually something that's it's a real problem within the disabled community. And I actually think there's great strength in being like, do you know what? As cool as it would be to be whatever it is, like like you said, you could you could have been like this incredible female neurologist, but actually a, you would have to work so so hard at that. It's not unattainable, but it's just a lot of a lot of hard work. And B, the system is not set up for you 
to not be perfect all the time, which like that's life, right? Like no one's perfect all the time anyway. But being able to say, do you know what? It's just not for me. I would love to do it. But taking a step back and being like, actually, that would be cool, but that's not what I'm going to do. I think there's massive strength in that. I mm. really, really do. Because I, as I said, I think we have this tendency as disabled people to put pressure on ourselves to be mm. excellent or superior to almost prove our disabled worth. Because, you know, for so long you're told you're seen as less than and people don't believe that you can do things. So when when you can do these crazy cool things and you can like prove that you're a good disabled person or like you've done a good job mm. as a disabled person there's actually so much strength in being able to be like actually do you know what it would be cool but I'm not putting myself through it for everyone else I'm just not doing it <laughs> yeah no it's it's true I think like and and it's not to say like I I am definitely pushing myself really hard and it's yeah. just there's some things that my brain just can't wrap around <laughs> it just mm, doesn't work yeah. that way and and I think some I used to get more and so, sometimes I still like I used to get frustrated and like sometimes and or sad and sometimes I'll still reflect like I'll reflect on yeah. it more rather than feeling it as much of like because it's like like I used to love math and be really good at math and I actually mm-hmm. got into most universities for math and then it's just like I can't really do math yeah. very well anymore and obviously now it's been a while since I've done math so like that's different <laughs> but <it was laughs> yeah. just, that's a bit different but but it was just like things just got a lot harder and mm-hmm. um it was just um I like I started I tried to do that was what I was got into university for and I just got there and I, I just couldn't do it um and uh, it was a really hard decision at first and I was yeah at the time like you know I I was 18 and I was like upset and whatever but then I also wanted to like make a difference and so I wanted to do something that is more tangible um so yeah mm-hmm. from there I went um I ended up uh, but the, in the end, that was like too systematic for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, now I've gone too high. Now I got to go back down. Yeah. I ended up doing like uh, my master's in behavioral science. And uh, that took me into working in like startups um, in health mm-hmm. tech. Um, so as a behavioral scientist, like designing um, engaging products and health techs um and so during like designing like six-month diabetes management um plans through text mm-hmm. message for example um and then I also worked in like ed tech designing like large online courses that uh are for like big universities around the world and mm-hmm. um and that was really cool and I think one big I, there was a part of me that before the um before the pandemic because I, I graduated just like I finished my master's before the pandemic and mm-hmm. um I worked like a part-time job for a bit and I remember thinking like I wanted to work remotely because it, but this was before remote was as big of a thing but because I wouldn't really be able to do it's either I have to work remotely or part-time because I, I just couldn't yeah. do it as as much it's like I just it's too much um but then with since the with the pandemic I was actually able to to work a full-time job uh, mm-hmm. because it was remote um and so that's how um I kind of got into this like startup space and dove myself into that which is really fun um and mm-hmm. now um I actually have my own startup <laughs> um 
so exciting um, yeah we've um so I, I have I'm the founder of um a startup called beanbag health it's an app that supports recovery from eating disorders mm-hmm. we're about a year old now um and oh we goodness. launched I know <laughs> um so we're, we're uh we've been doing most a lot of research and development building it with so many people with lived experience one thing about eating disorders that I guess is very similar to epilepsy is that it, you can't see it really it's yeah. not something you can see um and so a lot of people are are hiding in secret and um struggling with this in silence um and um so um I we we launched in February as well focusing on like engagement and retention mm-hmm. which are some things that and I mean how many times have any of us downloaded a health tech or like had downloaded a, an app and just like not used it the next week uh, it, yeah it's so true I always think about like my period <laughs> tracker I'll be great for like two weeks and I'll be like Meh, it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's what we wanted to focus on. And um, so we we did during our free trial, we just wanted to focus on like, how can we overcome that challenge? And mm-hmm. um, people are using the app twice a day, every single day for like 20 weeks. Um, that's amazing. So um, yeah, so we just kind of closed our free trial up. Um, and we're, um, yeah, we've been really excited about our, our results. We take the most evidence-based treatment in a clinical grade app. Um, so really excited about things. It's been an absolute wild ride, uh, having my own startup and all of that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I like, oh, that's like, it's so great to hear you talk about it because I think you're so right when you talk about retention, because we all have like really rubbish retention anyway. And that's like <laughs> through our phones and media and whatever, like we don't have that ability to like sometimes we all struggle to be consistent right and that's why consistency is such a big thing but I love that you know like that's that's where you're going with this is to be like where can we how can we make it as easy as possible to be as consistent as possible so that you get the best out of this and like I think that's just a great I just love that so much because I think it's so (laughs) needed and I'm so excited to see how it progresses because lord knows it needs to be done yeah I mean like I I guess I mean, 98% of people with, with an eating disorder can't get access to the care that they need, which is just like wild. Yeah. And uh, so it's um, hopefully this this can um, provide support either directly to people or also be through the, the healthcare system as well. And um, so I think like uh, I've had my own lived experience with, with eating issues, but that's like mm-hmm. a seed of like the idea. I think it's... Um, there's just some people that struggle with it as well and I think so many people have this again talking about stereotypes and what's in mind so many mm-hmm. people think of the like thin white anorexic teenager yeah. but that's just that's like such a minority of the people who struggle with it whereas most people are just like you I mean you wouldn't recognize them because they're just day-to-day people and they're mm-hmm. they're struggling with body image and and eating and um maybe they have a diagnosis maybe they don't but they're they're struggling with this on a day-to-day basis and um impacting their quality of life and um it's uh and they, they often might get turned away they might not be at that like critical threshold um yeah to to get the help in the the traditional services and so we're hoping to to really make a difference there I love that I love (laughs) that so much so 
I was wondering, do you have a piece of advice for a younger version of yourself? Oh, um, that's a good question. What would my advice be to my younger self? Um, on what? <laughs> Just, in Just like anything. Like, is there a particular piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about, I don't know, like about anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess like just take it easy. <laughs> like, take it easy. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, it's like, don't stress as much. Um, mm. that's, that's not really good advice. <laughs> don't stress, but things, things work out, I guess. Um, that's, that's not the best advice, but like, take it easy. Don't stress out. Don't, you don't need to go so fast. Um, yeah. and, like speaking to people is like probably gets you a lot further than uh get, gets you so much further than mm. just like putting your head down and like going uh and like I don't know killing yourself over the work you're doing like try put put yourself out there um be authentic to yourself those are lots I love of different that. I love that though because I think there's so much to be said when you're like when you are younger like we're not particularly old I would still say I'm very much in my infancy still but when (laughs) you are like teenager coming into early 20s you do just want to like go at full pelt all the time regardless of what you're doing and you know go it alone because you don't really understand the idea of collaboration gets you a bit further than than Mm. if you don't but I think it's so I just love that being like, don't stress, like take it easy, like it'll all like it'll all work out. Like, don't worry about it. Cause I think, you know, when you are that age, or you worry about like what's your career gonna be like and and who are you gonna marry and and where's that gonna happen and what's this person gonna look like in your life? And and actually just take it easy. Like your twenties are meant to be somewhat enjoyed, kind of. I mean, they're a crazy time for everyone. So like if you're going through craziness, don't feel like you're alone because you're absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you you have time. Like yeah. um it's take it easy, enjoy. I think like I don't my grandma just turned 101 this year and Oh like, my god. Like <laughs> So like I think I look at her and I'm like obviously time is not guaranteed at all. And so yeah. but also like that's a lot of time. <laughs> like <laughs> That's a lot of time. Like, like, and so I don't want to be just and like I'm not saying I, I do this. Like, like I'm I'm not saying I, I don't do this. I, I guess like I, I still kind of like hustle and grind and what more than I probably mm-hmm. wish I do. But like, yeah. um, also I probably could have like I look back and I'm like I could have just like chilled a bit, like to, to <laughs> sit here, uh. Like take a gap year if you want. Go for it. You can still university will still be there. That play like that mm-hmm. like, that job will still be there. Like um explore your interests, <laughs> like explore yourself. <laughs> Chill out. I think that's so I think that's such a good one because we're we're like consistently told to always hustle super hard and have a side hustle and have like 700 side hustles and and if you're not doing what you love then you're like you're doing the wrong thing and it's so bad for you but actually like you do have time you can you can just have like a couple of months <laughs> to yourself a couple of months might turn into a year 
couple of years might turn into two years. And if you don't know what you're doing right now and you feel like you're fumbling, like it's probably the best thing for you because at least you're figuring out what you do and you don't like. Like don't feel like if you don't know what you're doing or what your passion is that you're somehow not winning because actually you you are winning because you're giving yourself this time to like explore all of your interests and and actually sometimes it's better to find out what you don't like Mm. before what you do like because then at least you know what you're not going to go into quick I gotta grab my charger quick intermission real quick (laughs) no worries I'm gonna take you with me and we're gonna change backgrounds and it's gonna be awkward but um. no I love this this is exactly how it should be (laughs) there we go (laughs) she's in (laughs) perfect so I was wondering through all the things that you've been through with your diagnosis and then like coming to terms with epilepsy but also in like your startup founder life because I can just imagine how stressful that must be is there a particular positive trait that you've noticed in yourself that actually when you reflect on times that have been maybe a bit more challenging, you're like, I really handled that well, or I'm, or I'm really proud of how I did that. Hmm. I guess like, um, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is like resilience and just like keep going forward. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if that's the, like, the, I feel like there's another, like a better word <laughs> that yeah. like, cause it's, I, I don't like that very much. Like it's, um, I guess like, probably just like rolling with it like mm-hmm. you know like it, if if things suck like just kind of moving forward and probably that I think whether that's in the in the in the startup or mm-hmm. whether that's in um like I think getting used to the like okay not this again um and like rolling yeah. with the punches pretty much um and not just getting bogged down by it and just uh like it's almost like in the startup it'd be like okay fail fast it's not a failure you learn from it and you move forward and in life it's it's a similar thing I think with it's like okay that like now we're trying a new dose of this medication and we're going to see if it works or Mm -hmm. like now it's not working and that's fine or like right like learning more about how my I'm still learning about how like my brain works and how I am feeling and if it's related to the epilepsy and and like sometimes I wake up and I'm like I'm slurring my words did that like happen last night I don't really know and Mm -hmm. like and I think it's just like kind of moving forward with like acknowledging it learning from it and moving forward and that's like I guess just just keep moving forward yeah and I think I love what you said about failure actually like fail fast because you learn more and I mm. think that we we take failure as such a negative feedback mechanism when actually failure is kind of the best feedback mechanism you can get because you learn from that and you can learn from like your mistakes or you can learn what you did and you didn't like or, or I just I really love that like fail fast. I think that that's such a good way of like looking at things. Like the faster you can get a no, the faster you can get the fit, like yeah. then the, the less you have at stake and then the more often it happens the easier it gets 
Yeah, I love I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. So I'm actually gonna take that with me. Fail fast. I think that's excellent. What a good, oh, I love that. Like what a good like little piece of advice, even though that wasn't like where it was tied into. I love that. Fail fast. But you but you're not like you're right. The quicker that you fail, the, the quicker you realize that actually like less time was invested into that. And therefore, like that's a good thing because you can f- put focus your time elsewhere. That's great. Oh I love this for like a Tuesday morning. But it is it is Tuesday, isn't it? It is Tuesday, right? It is. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as disabled people, we all get asked really bizarre questions about our disability, and I'm I'm very intrigued to know if you get some weird questions surrounding your epilepsy. Yeah, I do. They're they're just not very pleasant. I think I messaged yeah. you some of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, I had one like recently that they were just like asked me if it was because of childhood trauma and I didn't appreciate that um they were like did you have a traumatic childhood is that why you're having seizures and uh they're like did you have a happy childhood and I was like "Mm, that's just like not something you like and they're like should you get off the medication then and deal with your problems and I'm like okay so oh my um, goodness (laughs) Like, that's not okay. Like, that's just not okay to, like, ask anyone. And also, um, and and she didn't accept when I was just like, I actually, like, I had a really good relationship with my parents. And, like, uh, like my parents got divorced when I was older. (laughs) I got younger. (laughs) She she wouldn't take no for an answer. Um, So that was a fun one. You get a lot of, have you tried... Have you tried uh, all these w- different diets or like, uh, like I said, you get a lot of like the CBD and weed and um, different things. Have like you that. tried yoga? Uh, have you tried yoga? Have you tried breathing? <laughs> like, Funnily enough, <laughs> helps me get through my day. <laughs> oh, good one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you, you get kind of like, people who try to like cure you also people who might I, I the weirdest one I think is I'm so jealous of you um all the great philosophers had epilepsy so your brain just goes to another dimension and thinks differently like like them you must or the other one you just have must have a really strong brain because every time you have a seizure your brain has to create new pathways and so you just must have a super brain and I'm like I mean, thanks for the compliment, I guess. I don't think you understand the basics of neuroscience. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and like the, so the, those ones are like these weird, awkward, yeah. strange, strange. Do you know things. what? It's so interesting having this conversation with someone whose disability isn't visible to the naked eye, because I think because it's not visible and you can't see it you can't smell it you can't taste it you can't hear it people love to think that they know the cure mm. because like because it's not a fit like obviously there is very much a physical manifestation in your seizures but but because you're not necessarily like seizing in front of people all the time people love to think that like oh you know what like a shot of lemongrass in the morning is is gonna like it's gonna rewire this or you know, or like doing some deep breathing exercises is really going to help when actually when it comes down to it, those are all things that are great for some people, but 
but actually they're not going to be like a cure because sometimes, and I hate to say it, people are going to think this is a really unpopular opinion, but sometimes it isn't a cure. Full stop. Yeah. Sometimes it just is what it is. And, and it's about managing what it is rather than finding the fixing cure that's going to be able to make, you know, like, you know, epilepsy is, is always going to be in your life. It's never not going to be in your life. So so you find ways to, to to deal with that. Like you said, like you take your medication, maybe deep breathing helps. I don't know. But, but to have people consistently be like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And it does seem to be such a thing that, people whose disabilities aren't necessarily visible do get mm. and i think and I, I do think it is because it's not physically there in someone's face because like no one is ever going to come up to me and be like have you tried yoga for your arm to grow back have you because taken a abs- pill to grow your arm back like exactly <laughs> like that, that that concept is ludicrous because you can physically see that it's never going to happen whereas because you can't see epilepsy unless you are having a seizure because I'm pretty sure at no point if you were seizing on the floor, someone come over to be like, now take a deep breath and this will really help. You know, like it, because it, you would be able to be like, that's like the most unhelpful thing to say ever, Sharon. Like, fuck off. <laughs> like, Thanks, Sharon. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just, it's just one of those things. That I, I find it fascinating. And I think it is very much because you can't see it. But equally mm. saying that, it's also a super ignorant space to be in to be like this will really help because actually it's it's not absolutely it's it's so strange and and i think you're right it's it's like but also i think the other thing is like why are you trying to fix it like yeah. i'm obviously on my journey of trying to manage it and maybe i've tr- like i've gone through trying to like previously i was like i want to get rid of it and i want to fix it and yeah but and like you know some people might want that and wish it away and um and like i i don't anymore it's it's a part of me and it's a part of my life and i'm and i'm okay mm-hmm. with that and um and like it makes me think differently and there's there's like cool things as well there's also sucky things but like mm-hmm. it's like i don't wish it away i just i just manage it and i think like but in the concept of have you tried this it's somebody wishing somebody else wishing your disability away like yeah which is a very strange thing it's it's yeah it all comes down to ableism like everybody's Mm. ableist that's what it comes down to because that's what it is at the end of the day isn't it that actually there's something wrong with you therefore we must fix it and therefore you are less than we are because there's something that's wrong when actually nothing is wrong i'm just built differently and you mm-hmm. need to accept the difference before we can move on. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it, like, I, people are fascinating. People genuinely fascinate me so, so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only have one final question for you. And I'm actually really sad that this is coming to an end because I really enjoyed today because I've, like, it's made me think of ways that I haven't thought about for a long time. But, my question for you is, Lindsay, are you disabled and proud? Yes, I'm disabled and proud. Yay! Oh, I really enjoyed this conversation, particularly because epilepsy is not something that's like necessarily in my day to day. Disability is, but epilepsy isn't. And and actually it's been so lovely to talk about the struggles that you've had with epilepsy, but also actually on the flip side, 
the things that it's brought into your life. And I think that it's been such a great conversation and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I've really appreciated talking about it and I hope that um, some people appreciate hearing it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's been so fun. Uh, Like I've loved it. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast. Oh,